0: We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Uh, pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So we
1: You know how much I sacrifice?
0: You think that's air you're breathing in? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family.
1: We are sacrifice! Craft Services. Hey, Trent. Hello, Parth. It's funny seeing you here.
2: Likewise, it seemed like just a minute ago, we were doing funny, unrelated
1: bits and not recording, but now here we are. I wouldn't know about any of that, but I would want to know about what you've been eating most recently, you know?
2: To be technical about it, I just had half of a wrap, a cheesesteak wrap with lettuce, tomatoes some spicy peppers, and some some onion, I believe. Got it from Crispy Pizza, which is like barely even my third favorite pizza place in New Brunswick. Yeah, you're but not I really was... a
1: crispy guy.
2: No, no. So I've been fantasizing about Jersey Mike's all day, and my big plan, I didn't want to buy it. before. I had a class in Voorhees Hall, which is right by Jersey Mike's, by, right by the yard, where both of these businesses are. And so I was, I didn't think that I should buy the sandwich before class and then eat some of it, like, just in a desolate classroom, like like watching a YouTube video on my phone. And so I made these big plans to get it after. And so my class ended at 8.50 and Jersey Mike's ended at 9. And so the whole class, I was trying to order it through their online ordering system on my laptop. And it seems like uh, I tried to place the order at, 829 because I thought that they would stop accepting online orders after that, but even by that point, it was too late, and so then I had to search for a plan B, and y- you know the rest. What about you?
1: Trent, I think you're going to like what I have to say about what cool. I've been eating. Sure. Um. So, I had class today from 2 to 5, and then I had office hours from 530 to 6, but I'd gone grocery shopping uh, earlier in the day with my cousin, who works at Target, and so I mm. got some some nice employee discounts. What is the employee on...
2: discount, if you don't mind my asking?
1: It's ten uh, percent off, and then she also had access to some deals. So like, I had twenty percent off all frozen items. I like deals. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And our fridge, I don't, you haven't been by the apartment in a while, but it was running low. It mm. was it was kind of abominable. Um, and like the I bought. Man. I bought chicken breasts and then went to class and was thinking about these chicken breasts and what I was going to do with them. And then I realized I remembered my dad's um, pulled chicken recipe. Mm. Uh, You saute some onions, some garlic, add some oil, put in the chicken, sear it for a bit, put in some barbecue sauce, and then you put it in the oven for 90 minutes and just let it slow cook. And then you take it out of the oven and you just like shred it with two forks. Yeah. And um, you want to know what these, what this pulled chicken went into?
2: Was it a pulled chicken sandwich? That's what I would no. do. No, oh. no,
1: Trent. Uh, though there is a lot left over. Pull, pulled chicken smoothie. Close. Um, yeah. They went into part's famous nachos.
2: Really. Yes. Whoa, that sounds like it's bringing your famous nachos to a new level of notoriety. Uh, Trent, if you could be here today, tonight, you, you, would, have you would have been more so famous. happy. You would have been yeah. more famous than ever?
1: Yeah. Um. The ironicism surrounding parts famous nachos would diminish so rapidly.
2: You are also famous for your wings. And speaking of, known for podcasting. and I am known
1: for podcasting. Friendship. Sometimes. I'm known for bringing us to the intro is that not yeah, known that for true? your
2: known for your transitions that's what will be on your headstone
1: so how about we just cue the intro
2: That actually, like, wouldn't be a bad headstone, because it'd be like you had a seamless transition into the afterlife. Mm. Parth Morate, known for his transitions.
1: <laughs> That's not bad, yeah.
2: They're worse things to be called.
1: Would you say that at my eulogy?
2: Oh, I won't be attending your funeral. I'm super-duper busy that You'll day. be dead, or? Oh, so- oh okay.
1: Super-duper busy. Super okay. busy. Schedules Would you, jam-packed. if you found out I died, jam-packed. like, not now, but, like, of old age... And I was like, you were like a 92, I was 91. Uh, so that sweet spot between January and April 28th. Would you cry? Would you shed a tear? Why wouldn't I? I don't know.
2: It depends how much contact we remain in over the next 70 years. I think oh, that, that is cool. worth considering. That's cool. But um, I-, I think there's a good chance of me crying if you died. A week from now. A good
1: chance. That's a good chance. Good chance. Trent, I would sob if you, I found out that you died. Um, not yeah, and there's, th- The and reasons there's, for which ha- uh, is not solely because of craft services.
2: And there's a good chance that I would cry if I found out that something had happened to you. No guarantee.
1: <sighs> wow. I think I'm going to keep that in the intro. <laughs> um, just to let the people know who you really are.
2: Welcome back to Craft Services. Wow, okay, podcast, so usurping my
1: position—that's cool.
2: A podcast where we talk about the movies. Each week, we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we had a special guest named—they've got their man of many names, uh, yes. Disasterpiece and Rich Freeland. Rich Freeland. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Parth, you were there also. Did you like the interview? Did you hate it?
1: Oh, Trent, you'll Boy, be disappointed I... to know. Yeah, I loved this interview. Yeah, yeah. Me um, too. So maybe you're not disappointed at all. But this is our first composer. Yep. Uh, and I think it went really well, Trent.
2: Yes, we're finally welcoming the the, the sound side of things, and. Yes. uh... Soon, Parth and I will be the creepy sound guy on set. That you know, yes, there's always the famous
1: creepy sound guy.
2: Or you can be the flirty
1: grip, and I'll be the creepy sound guy. I think that fits our vibes. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just constantly flirting around, but Rich talking Vreeland... to all the ladies and boys.
2: Rich Reeland is too busy direct uh, composing really good scores for some movies like bodies 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 or film of the week then we got under the silver lake marcel the shell and it follows which all have really good scores
1: yeah and he talks about all of them and all of them. i think do we just cut into this
2: yeah i think we've said enough um let's 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 let pass trenton parth take take it away from current Trent yeah this parth. is
1: from like what like two months ago or something so
2: so so backloaded who knows so prepared
1: yeah all right enjoy this interview guys cue the interview Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Rich Vreeland, goes by Disasterpiece. He's the composer behind such films as It Follows, Under the Silver Lake, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and our film for today, Helena Reigns, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Yeah, happy to be here.
1: So just to start off, what would you say your relationship with film was at a young age?
0: I would say um, I always like going to the movies, um, but I was always more interested in video games and computers than film. Um, and, um, my kind of career trajectory reflects that because I, um, after a cup of coffee doing, um, graphic design, I decided to switch to uh, music and, um, kind of, uh, integrated that, uh, passion with my, my interest in video games and got into doing video game soundtracks and did that for probably eight years before maybe seven years before I ended up working on it follows, which is my first film project.
2: Where do you even begin in the world of getting started in like doing video game soundtracks? How, how do you break into that?
0: For me, I broke into it in a very kind of roundabout way um, where there was a, there was like, like a wanted um, ad on a, on a message board. It was actually for uh, this, this, this hobby I had as a teenager called e-wrestling, which is like uh you write you write wrestling fiction basically and you compete against each other. Uh, it's pretty fun, but, uh, I used to post my music there. That's kind of how I got my first video game job because there was a, there was a wanted ad on one of these message boards for, um, a company that was making cell phone games. And it was, this was like 2005 maybe. Um, so it was before smartphones. So I had to do everything with MIDI files, um, like music and sound effects. So it was like very, it was very strange, but, um, uh, I got paid and I was like, wow, this is cool. Uh, I would love to do this like for a living. So after that experience, I started looking into like, you know, how do I, how do I do that? And I started finding communities of people who, who work on games when I went to, I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston and um, there was a, a group there called the Video Game Music Club, which I joined and met a lot of like, like-minded individuals who were interested in this stuff and um, so would hear about you know, events and things going on and, um, internships, which I I did two uh, game audio internships at college and started going to conferences. And I just started like meeting people kind of organically by, by putting myself out there, going to events, playing shows, releasing music online, um, all that sort of stuff.
1: And so was it off the back of your video game work that you were, were you approached to do it follows or was, did you want to go kind of in a film route?
0: I was always open to it, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really my focus. Um, And it wasn't until David Mitchell, um, I guess, played Fez, this game that I scored and really liked the the soundtrack to that, that he reached out to me about It Follows. And um, so, you know, I have, I have him to thank for, you know, a lot of my career in film because, um, you know, that project catapulted me into other opportunities after that.
2: Yeah, and since then, you've worked on some really cool movies. And uh, we were just listening to it before and talking about who we think you sound like. And we were wondering who you think you... What film scorers, composers you think you may take influence from, if any. Or what neck of the woods musically you come from or, you know, relate
0: to. I would say that I'm... I kind of have my I have a signature kind of thing that I that I do that I couldn't really describe to you, but I definitely have like a sound. Um, But, uh, you know, I pull my influences from everywhere. So and I've always enjoyed being a little bit of a chameleon, like just writing in different styles. So my my tastes are very kind of all over the place, Um, you know, film composer wise. There's definitely like a short list of people that I really like, Um, you know, people like Bernard Herrmann uh you know love a good John Williams score like anybody um I mean more like modern composers I really like Johnny Greenwood's work I really like um Mika Levy's work Marconi, I love Marconi um so yeah I mean those are just some but like I I came to film music late I mean you know I was mostly interested in um like popular music I grew up you know around the Beatles and um, Vince Garaldi from the Peanuts, you know Charlie Brown Christmas, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know my, you know my parents were into classic rock and folk and stuff, so I, you know I, I, picked up that kind of stuff from them. Whether it was like Queen, Led Zeppelin, or Joni Mitchell. Um, high school, I got really into get to playing guitar, and I got really into Tool and Rage Against the Machine, and then I kind of graduated to prog rock and got really into King Crimson, and metal, and got really into Mastodon um and then you know had a jazz moment uh got really into impressionism um and you know not to mention video game music was always a really big inspiration for me too which in itself is kind of a a hodgepodge of other influences like like kind of it's kind of like um a a lot of old a lot of a lot of like classic video game music is very much melting pot music it's like it's like world
1: styles like just combined were there any particular video games that you can point to that you're like I liked the music in that and that really got me going.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, it, I, came, I came back around to a lot of that music. Like it wasn't, it was something that playing those games as a kid, I didn't, I maybe didn't think about the music so much, but when I started getting interested in music and writing it, that's when I kind of revisited it and realized how much of an impact it had on me. Um, you know, composers like Yasunori Mitsuda, who did uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, um, you know, combined lots of different world styles in really interesting ways but i mean the, the the big one is definitely koji Kondo who who also you know pulled lots of influences you know lots of influences from jazz and fusion and rock and um, and other styles um, and you know that music so much of that music especially the music that was more limited and capacity like more limited in what kind of sounds you could use and stuff really required like an elevated level of kind of focus on composition and I think I I kind of gravitated towards that, especially in the beginning when I didn't really know how to produce music really that well. I could just focus on using a couple of instruments to to write music, and that's kind of how I got my start.
2: So, speaking uh, about our film of the week this week, bodies, bodies, bodies. How did you become involved with that project?
0: I'm not entirely sure. I think um, I, I mean I, I had a meeting with Lena. Um, I'm not sure how I got on their radar, but I had a meeting with Lena, and uh, we had a really nice um kind of kind of chemistry uh to for like it seemed like it would be a good um a good uh, you know working scenario for us to work together um it was kind of a time where i was kind of traveling and i wasn't really working so um it kind of didn't really go anywhere and i think they actually went with somebody else and it didn't work out and then they came back to me um and then um uh and then we yeah then we started working together and did this The rest is history. We did the score in probably, I don't know, maybe three months or something like that.
2: So when you first meet a director to talk about if you're potentially going to collaborate, like what sort of materials do they show to like get your vibe on what you would want to do? You know,
0: it depends. I mean, sometimes they'll present like if especially if it's like animated or something like that, they probably present a lot of artwork to get a sense of the, of the, you know, sort of the world of the, of the film, um, with something live action, it's generally, you know, they'll, they'll send materials either before or after the meeting. They might, they'll send a script, they might send a lookbook um, things like that, just to kind of like help, you know, help me kind of get a sense of what the project is going to be. Um, sometimes the meeting is just like, you know, is this a good, is it, is it a good, is it a good fit? Like, do, do we seem like we would work well together? Um, You might talk about logistics, like timing and, you know, is the timing going to be, is is the timing good? Or it could just be a feeler too, like just kind of touching base and seeing, you know.
1: And so you said that um, they went with someone else and then they came back around to you. So what was the movie done when you were scoring it? And I guess like how long, I think you said you you worked on it for three or four months, something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the movie's, the movie's never done until, <laughs> until until it comes out. There's always things happening, but, um, you know, it was shot and we were, they were in post-production and, you know, it was fairly far along, but like any project, you know, there's this kind of curve where, you know, as you get closer to the end, the, the amount of progress you make gets smaller and smaller and it and becomes more and more intense, kind of focusing on smaller details. So they were kind of getting into that stage where, you know, they were kind of adjusting things, pulling little things out, adding things, um, just kind of playing with, you know, the presentation of the film. And music is obviously a really big part of that.
1: And was it similar to the other projects that you've been a part of time-wise, like in terms of how long you were spending on it?
0: So It Follows was shorter. Um, Marcel Lachelle was was much longer and so was Under the Silver Lake. They were both year-plus on and off, um, the I, the the other movie that I did that was similar timeline was this movie Triple Frontier for Netflix. Um, that was also like a couple of months. Um, so, but but this film was like not a whole lot of music, um, but I mean, I did write a lot of music in trying to get the right sound, and sometimes on a project, that's not the case. Like it follows I. Don't there were very few cues that I, didn't end up in the movie. I think I had to rewrite like two or three things. So there's not a lot of like extra material. But on a movie like Marcelo Shell or Bodies, 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 we're talking about like 2x, 3x, the amount of you know music is what I wrote compared to what's in the film. Um, and that's just because of the circumstances and you know what people are looking for maybe how comfortable I am or how hard it, you know, how challenging it is to find the right sound or all those sort of
2: things. So generally speaking, when you're writing, are you, are you watching the film over and over again and writing in chronological order or just focusing on key scenes or doing whatever jumps out at you first and then filling in the gaps or is it all different?
0: It's a great question. I think, um, There's, there's not necessarily one right way to do it. I have often approached it chronologically. I've been guilty of not watching the film enough. I think, I think watching the film is actually really important, especially as you put music into it to help you like feel out the, the choices that you're making and that, that they're all like contextually working together Because you could score a scene and, and as a standalone scene, it could work really well, but it might not work in the larger context. Yeah, my, my tendency has been to start from the beginning, um, and try to figure it out that way. Sometimes my tendency has been to have a con- like a high concept about what to do, and kind of identify like here are key moments in the film and like key th- key moments where things are going to change, and maybe the maybe the 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 sound world has to change also. And so I might you know I might preload I might like uh um you know I might like basically work on those scenes first, even though they're out of order or whatever. Um,
2: Do you ever write a song that like makes sense for the film, but you don't actually know where it's going to go yet. And then it's just some, as in it wasn't written for a specific scene. And then you're just trying to slot in where you think it makes the most sense Or, or or is everything directly inspired by a scene?
0: Yeah. I mean, those are two, those are two very like common and distinctive styles of writing for film. Um, there are definitely projects where, you know, you might be asked to write music blind, or maybe it's a part of the process that you've come up with, which is to, you know, write a bunch of music upfront, um, just inspired by the movie, uh, not thinking, maybe not thinking about particular scenes, or maybe you are, but you're not looking at picture and then either you're figuring it out afterwards or, you know, the edit, you know, editing team is like, is like playing with it and trying to figure it out. Or it just doesn't make it into the film, or you get lucky and it it, it fits something perfectly. Um, those are all possibilities. It's an interesting way to work, and it, it can be, you know, it like people like Johnny Green would do that uh, to, to great effect. I um, I haven't really had the opportunity to do that. It's it's really it's a lot of work to write a bunch of music up front because basically what you're doing is creating a library of music, and then handing it over to kind of like try to figure out where to place all of it. And so if you're going purely for bang for your buck, sometimes writing music directly to the picture is going to be a little bit more efficient, even though it has certain, you know, there are certain limitations to working that way also.
1: So working on bodies, 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 what were the instruments and like software that you were like using to um, put it all together and make the music? Cause it's like kind of like an electronic score. It's like a very particular yeah. sound.
0: Yeah. So um, I have been using Logic Pro for a long time. Um, so I do all my scoring in Logic Pro. Yeah. The sound of bodies is, it's a lot of really basic synth sounds, um, drum synths, bass, um, uh, like sub, like sub, like bass style synths, and uh, certain kinds of effects that create, certain kinds of like kind of, um, distortions and like frequency effects. Um, so it's a lot of those kind of three things. Um, and there there's this sort of, um, there's this effect that basically it makes things sound lossy, like a bad MP3 file. And that's another big component of the sound of the film. Um, and it's, it's an effect that I've had for a long time and I've never really found a way to use it. Uh, So this was kind of the first time, um, and that was kind of a fun like element. Um, so yeah. And it was like, you know, it was definitely, I was definitely trying to channel like contemporary music, um, you know, like sort of the trap inspired stuff that you hear a lot of these days. And, um, as someone who's like not particularly interested in that music, it was kind of fun to like, try to find something interesting in it, um, uh, so that was kind of, that was part of the allure for me, I, I think, as as like a composer.
1: I heard in an interview with the director that you guys talked about TikTok sounds, like, and like that being an influence on it. And I just thought that that was interesting. And I was wondering how strongly you were even like, like, were you guys like on TikTok and like cataloging <laughs> sounds? Or like, how was that? She might have been,
0: I wasn't. I mean, it, it my process is... That when I'm occupying a a stylistic space, if I have a if I have a blurry, kind of quasi ignorant um, idea of what something is, like I've generally leaned into that because it's music and you can get away with it, and it's it kind of gives it like an interesting and almost impressionistic feel, and that that's what I did on it follows, that's what I did on Under the Silver Lake, and that's what I did here, which is like I'm inhabiting a new genre that I haven't really explored before. Um, and kind of allowing it to be wrong, um, or, you know, just allowing it to be what it's going to be and not, not being like overly precious about making it very much like, Oh, this is what people do. And this is how they do it. It's sort of just like, Oh, I've heard this music kind of music before. So I kind of have like a vague, I have like a general sense of it and just kind of like taking that idea and like trying to just keep digging down into that. Um, uh, but you know, there was also like, There's also some sort, you know, there's some tracks like in the film that are sort of of a similar, a similar ilk. And like those were a part of the kind of the um, inspiration like palette for me as well.
2: Yeah, I was kind of just going to ask exactly that as if like if you're working on a film that also has like not like non score uh, songs, are you is that? being worked into the equation of how your score is going to work like bounce off of those things
0: for me it for me it is i um i care a lot about this the the entire soundtrack and like how it all works together i mean there are definitely times where you know there's some source music in the film that it's it's challenging because it it's kind of you know maybe it's clashing or um Maybe it gets changed, and I had written some score to kind of like segue into it in a very particular way, and now it's not working so well. There have been times that I've pull, I've really pushed to pull out score um, because I thought that source material like source music would work better. Um, and that's actually what happened on bodies too. Um, there, we, had, we had been workshopping music like a, a piece of score for the very beginning of the film when they pull up to the mansion. Um, and we tried a lot of different stuff and it just never felt quite right. It always felt kind of disjointed and detached from the film. And, um, I was just playing with the edit, um, and basically tried taking this, the, the song that they're listening to in the car and just pulling and just like extending it through that whole section. And that ended up being the thing that really like solved it and like made it feel more, um, intentional and not like kind of this mishmash of. Oh, we got to have music here. We have to underline character themes. You know, we have to like do all these things. It it felt very like ham-fisted.
1: So Trent and I were both listening to the score before we showed up to the interview. We were both like, first of all, this is very good. So just a compliment there. But um, also in the, the track, the first track, it's like body drop, I think. Um, Yeah. And the soundtrack, there's like the, like a motif that happens throughout the film of like a, like a percussive yeah that I think um and I was wondering were you trying to come up with a motif that would like be pervasive throughout the entire film or did that sort of come naturally
0: it's actually an element that I discovered like maybe three quarters of the way into the process like there it wasn't it wasn't a thing and then I had you know I added it it was actually based on the rhythm of the the theme for B for the B character, which is similar. It's like, do, do, do. And I basically took that idea and I just, I wanted to create another element that was percussive. And once I came up with that that element, I, it was sort of like unlocked something for me where I felt like here's a connective tissue that I can use like throughout the score. Um, that's simple and uh, kind of like, I don't know how to explain that sound. It's it, kind of strange.
1: It's like, it's like stressful a little bit. Like I yeah, felt like, like it worked very poppy. well. It's like, it's, it's like, like a clave. yeah, it's like <laughs> needling kind of at your ear a little bit, which I, I think it's very effective, I guess.
0: Cool. Yeah, I mean, we had one in on it follows too. Um, and this this movie was kind of like horror kitsch, like it was supposed to be sort of like, a almost like a deconstruction of horror, like, because it's kind of campy, and it's kind of a joke. And, you know, um, so that was like, something that we you know, wanted to try to figure out, and it was actually the source of most of the challenge. I think for for the score was like figuring out how to basically write a horror score without it being like overtly, you know, like leaning into tropes. Basically.
2: So this is obviously nothing new for you because you've been releasing music uh, in different forms for a long time. But like the track listings and the track names, um, how much? I, I don't wanna, how, how much thought are you putting in just because I looked at it and some of them are characters' names and some of them are just funny words and some of them are a little bit more poetic and I just thought um, it was an interesting blend <laughs> and I was wondering um, if that's all you or if there's any influence from other people to make it like you know uh, relevant to the story or if you could name it whatever the hell you wanted. Or if that, or if you're just naming it as you go, like B theme, and then you just leave it the way that you that it originated in your mind.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's a very intuitive process. Um, it's something that I kind of have always taken the reins over, and and have found to be fun to to, to work out. Um, the track, the track listing, like the track ordering and how the tracks flow into each other, is a really it's a really important aspect of a soundtrack for me. Um, I spend I usually spend like quite a while, quite a lot of time figuring out how the tracks all blend together and, you know, making sure that they flow into each other nicely. And it's a good listening experience. And it's not just like an arbitrary list of tracks. Um, and then name naming is. Uh, yeah, like the, usually these these tracks, they have some sort of like working title. Sometimes that they're actually multiple cues from the film that I've put together because I, you know, I thought that they fit. There's quite a lot of that actually in the in the soundtrack, because there's a lot of versions of things that aren't in the film that are on the score, because um, sometimes you write something that you think that's really cool and it just doesn't make it into the movie. So the the standalone soundtrack is really the opportunity to kind of like flex a lot of that stuff. I would say Body Drop is just the name I came up with when, when I first was like writing for that scene in the film where they start, people start dying and they're running in the rain and all that. And it just kind of stuck. Um, it just felt right. Um, jealousy into light was another one that i was just kind of because it was kind of based on conversations that I had with Helena about what the scene meant basically when like at the end of the film when Sophie and B are like in the basement and B just, just tries to run away from Sophie because she's kind of um, you know kind of toxic uh, and then like you know basically this idea of like basically escaping this sort of like hell hole uh, and that's kind of where the jealousy into light thing came. And then sometimes I just have fun, like light into jealousy is just, it's just like an outtake from, je- from jealousy into light where I like, I went too far. Like I was just, Oh, this is really fun. I'm going to like do a bunch of counterpoint. And then I sent it to them and they're like, what? We don't understand. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll save that for myself. And then, you know, three, three version, like doing things with um, the name three times was just kind of a play on the, you know, the name of the movie. So, yeah. It's a blend.
1: Trent, do you mind if I move into non bodies, bodies, bodies questions? Yeah. You do your part. Thanks Trent. Um, so we've mentioned it follows a little bit and I was just wondering what that experience was like. Um, Cause it's a very beloved movie. And your first movie. Yeah. My first movie. It's like, what an experience.
0: Yeah, it, it was, it was a cool experience. It happened very quickly. Um, We were supposed to have quite a while to work on it. I think three months. We initially talked about a hybrid score with live instruments and synths. And then um, the plans kind of changed and we we were shooting for Cannes for the film festival. And so we suddenly had under a month to do it. And so it was sort of a breakneck pace. Like I was writing every day of the week. Like I was working 12 plus hours on it Um and wrote the whole score in about three and a half weeks. So um it came together really fast. Uh,
2: I'm sure you can operate well under that amount of pressure, like you just said. But like in your do you think you like do your best work when, like when there's a due date like and it's coming up or would you have preferred to have like unlimited time or not unlimited but uh like do you work best under pressure or like would you have preferred to yeah yeah you know
0: it's tricky because um I I would always prefer to have more time but there's just something about having kind of a a limited time frame where you know you have to work on this thing where I just I can get really deep into the zone um, where I'm just completely consumed by a project and I'm I'm just thinking about it all the time. Um, it's not great for your life, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, it can be good for the project um, if you can do it in a way that isn't stressing you out, um, and uh, that's the hard part. So, um, yeah, my preference has always been to work basically like half time. Like if I can work half time every day um, you know, I'm happy, uh, and I'm like being productive and I'm getting stuff done and it still feels like I'm making good choices. Um, it's not always possible, but that's, that's sort of my aspiration.
1: So you mentioned working on, um, under the silver Lake and Marcel, the shelf both for like about a year each, or you were working on them. So is that like a year? Yeah. every day you're grinding and you're like, what's the music for this fucking shell? Or like, is that <laughs> no. like on and off you're kind of like going away and coming back to it?
0: Yeah. They're on and off, but I mean, under the silver Lake was more intense. Um, it was sort of like, it was like a month of solid work, just kind of putting together, turning teeth, the the sort of the song of the film, like writing that song took a while. And then, and then it was kind of off for a while and then started writing music in like the spring, maybe. And uh, by by the summer, I was working full time on it, like pretty much seven days a week. And that continued probably for, I don't know, five months, six months, something like that. And then Marcel the Shell was like an even longer process because I started working on it in 2019. And then with the pandemic, like things got pushed back on the production schedule. Um, and so it was sort of like it, it took that one took a year and a half, I guess, to, to finish. Um, but, uh, um, it was much more, much more spotty. Yeah.
2: We were talking about like your, I mean, it's hard to, to tie down your style and we don't want to, but there's definitely like an electronic side of things. And then I was listening to Under the Silver Lake, which uh, I didn't know you did the score for, but it's fucking awesome. And I think, and I don't know <laughs> anything about music, but that, I think that that's a little bit more like stringy. And then Marcel, <laughs> the shell is like kind of both um, of those yeah. elements at the same time. And I just wanted to know, to think out loud and like, am, am, am I, am I, cr- am I crazy?
0: No, that's interesting though. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Like that Marcel is kind of a blend, but um, yeah, like, uh, I mean, synth synth is kind of my background. I mean, I went to school for synthesis, so I got I got an education in, in how to do that, um, which really helped me kind of, you know, hone those tools. Um, I was also learning how to do production. So I got into, you know, I got into kind of like the, you know, live, like more traditional sounds, but... Um, I've generally preferred to do everything myself um, as opposed to like working with a bunch of musicians. But, you know, there have been opportunities, really cool opportunities to do that. Like under the silver Lake where I got to record for like a 50 piece orchestra and I got to arrange all those, you know, write and arrange all those pieces. Um, That was quite a learning experience for me. It's not something that I would normally do. And it's really, really hard. It's really hard for me because, you know, I don't have the background for it. So Everything just takes much longer. Um, Marcel is all like it's all it's all synthetic, um, even though it kind of has more of a stringy sound, um, like you said. But like under the Silver Lake was you know strings, brass, like woodwinds, like just you know all all sorts of um, orchestral uh, instruments.
2: And when you're working with a fifty-piece orchestra like that, is it like when you see? in movies where like they have a screen and they're watching it and they're playing over it. um, or, or like, are you in the room while that's happening? Or are you just like sending them sheet music and then receiving what they send back?
0: If you're lucky, you get to go to a session and you get to interact with the musicians and you get to be in the room while they record it. And, you know, to, just to get to that point, it takes quite a lot of steps. I mean, you need to hire all the musicians you need a conductor, um, you need, you know, recording engineers, like it's it's quite a lot of, of stuff. Um, so I've always had a team of people to kind of help me facilitate that side of things, which is not, because it's not my forte. Um, uh, there are, in lower budget scenarios, there are situations where people will record remotely with, with live players um, via some sort of like I don't know. Maybe they use Zoom now, but they traditionally they use like satellite links and all this kind of stuff to like basically phone in or whatever and listen to takes as they're being played and recorded. Um uh but yeah, my I think the best is to be there in person. It's it's so it's so fun and like inspiring to just hear people play your music like that. It's really cool.
1: And I guess one last like um other thing that you worked on on your IMDb, it shows that you worked on one episode of Adventure Time. Yeah, that's a cool show. Was it cool to work on?
0: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, that's act- the animation director of Marcel the Shell was the director of that episode, Kristen the Um, who also, I believe, did the Groot miniseries for Disney, oh. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Or, yeah, um, so yeah, that was a really fun project um, I kind of had free reign to do what I thought would be fun. And so I just, I I love the show. So I, um, just tried to be inspired by that and, and make something really quirky and eclectic. And I asked a bunch of people to send me samples. Um, and I made the entire score out of other people's samples. Um, and that's kind of, that was kind of the, that was my, um, my prompt, my creative prompt that I gave myself
1: are there like kinds of movies that you would like to write for or is it kind of just like you'd like to be approached by interesting people and then kind of just go along tag along to their projects like would you want to yeah like a john wick comes along and they're like right for us like is, is like an action yeah. movie or is it just like i would want to work with this director
0: well he did an action movie and it wasn't my favorite um so I don't know if I would do another one, even though I like watching action movies, working on them is, is different. Um, uh, I, I think generally it's kind of what you said. It's like interesting people, interesting projects. Um, ideally it's something that's different than what I normally do. If it's too similar, like I, it's, I feel like it's, it's a waste of time, <laughs> you know, because I'm not going to be, I'm not really having the opportunity to kind of push my boundaries and kind of try something different. So yeah. Um, you know, all of that is a component. Uh, I, w- I want to work on things that I think are good. Um, I don't want to work. <laughs> that's, that's important. Um, at this stage of my career, like financial success is less important because, I, you know, I've been, been at it for a long time and I'm like, I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much comfortable at this point. So that's good. Um, so I can really just kind of hone in on what I think is cool. And um, uh, yeah, and I, I like to work on things that I feel like have a good sort of like, Maybe not maybe not a message per se, but like a good they have a good heart, like, you know, at the core of it. There's something good there. Sometimes movies, especially horror movies, I don't always find that (laughs) sometimes they feel kind of vapid. Um, And uh, so it's you know, I want to feel like connected to what I'm working on. That's important to me.
2: This this is just a quick question before the last question because we're, we're we're quickly cr- approaching the big Kahuna question, the big Kahuna final question. But just due to the nature of video games, which you, you said were, were, was where you got your starts, and you, uh, w- yeah, uh, just since uh, like that's it's like not a controlled experience, and that someone can like just like walk around endlessly and like it the music must be cued by something of like if you're just in this certain world or if you do this thing or if it's this cutscene. Right. and does that change how you approach it at all or is was doing movies and video games like that do not think about it in a different way because of like the the i don't know the, the the medium or i guess like the 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 nature of it
0: i mean i i think about it very differently um there are moments in games that are very similar to moments in a tv show or a movie because they're linear and they're experienced they're generally going to be experienced one way um but even so even in a game you have the opportunity to score the same linear cutscene like different way every time if you really wanted to like you technologically you have that choice whereas in a film you don't so you have this really broad possibility space in games to play with the way that music is experienced and it can be can be very um, fulfilling and exciting but it can also be overwhelming to have that many choices and so my kind of journey in working on games has been a lot of it has been um, trying to find you know trying to find like where that balance is between, you know, not having such a broad possibility space where it's just like crazy amounts of variety that's like overwhelming to work on, overwhelming to understand and test. Um, but at the same time, like there's so much potential there for creating a really special experience. And people listen to music in a game far more than they listen to music in a movie. So the listener like the, just the amount of music the amount of time that is spent listening to that music is so much more. You have to think about that when you're actually designing the music for the game, because you don't want people to get fatigued by the music because that's, that's the worst thing. And then people will just turn the music off, which is very common. So um, there's a whole different set of like considerations in music. And I've worked on games where I, I created the music for them and I didn't write any music. It was all generated just, just by coming up with like, like a system using uh, coding, um, and like that's that's a possibility that you can that you can do in a game. So um, it opens up a lot of those sort of things.
1: Awesome, um, Trent. Is it Big Kahuna? Final question time.
2: It, it's Big Kahuna. Final question time.
1: Okay. So the the final question is just, what's the last great film you watched, and it can be a rewatch or a new release.
0: The last great film.
1: We can open it up to TV <sighs> if it.
0: If I, I I just can't think of anything. Um, I I've, I've been, my girlfriend and I have been going through uh, Naruto and and Boruto, because she grew up watching that, and I'd never seen it before. So um, for quite a while now we've been slogging through like a thousand episodes of of, uh, of anime. Um, but it
1: I, I like it so. We'll accept that. People like Naruto. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I I
2: I just have one a quick final 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 question. Uh, is movies what you want to do? Like for the remainder of your I I don't want to say for the remainder of your career. I'm sure I'm yeah, I know you're doing TV and video games and stuff, but you've become uh a force to be reckoned with in the movie composing world. And do you just want to keep? Uh, keep doing this or is that are you looking for the next thing or 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 what
0: yeah um I mean movies aren't really my focus uh I've just like I think I've just been fortunate to work on some movies that have been successful um uh movies I find I find movies really stressful to work on so I try not to work on too many, but certainly, you know, if something comes along, like I definitely consider working on it, and I'm so I'm sure I'll, I'm sure that I will continue to work on movies for a really long time. Um, but like right now, I'm, most of the time I've spent over the last year has been working on a game, this 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 indie game called Paradise Marsh. And um, like in the future, you know, I, I'm I want to focus on releasing music because I have a lot of music that I haven't released, and I also have a bunch of music software that I want to put out. Um so you know, I'm just generally interested in making stuff. Um, like it doesn't have to be a score, um, although I do like doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm just like it's more I'm more broadly interested in just creating.
1: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rich Reland, also known as Disaster Peace, for uh coming on for this interview. Um you can listen to some of his music in movies such as It Follows Under the Silver Lake, Marcel DeCell with Shoes On, and uh Helena Rain's Bodies Bodies Bodies. Thank you so much for being with us.
0: Yeah, thank you both. Appreciate it.
1: Wow Trent, what an interview. What um, an interview. Um, really boy, boy, great oh guy. Boy. Really nice to us. Great composer. We're happy he took the time to to talk to us. But Trent, you teed me up for a conversation topic about another interview.
2: Yes. In in this case, we were the interviewees instead of the interviewers.
1: You guys didn't hear this, but um, Trent uh, was like, notice anything, Park? And I was like, what? And he was like, Anything interesting? And I was like, what? About my appearance? And I was like, what? And this kind of kept happening until Trent said, I've got my goose shirt on. Yes. And the backstory behind this is that we, Trent and I, were invited to go on to a Rutgers-affiliated podcast entitled, what, Trent?
2: Conversations with Creatives, hosted by fellow Rutgers film students like us. Sam Fankel and Andrew Alexander. And we went to their we went to their fancy we went to their fancy studio for their Halloween episode and
1: their and their season finale. Fun and fact. that's why we were dressed as Maverick and Goose? Pete. Um, Pete Maverick Mitchell. Pete yeah. Pete Maverick Mitchell and uh Goose. What's his rank? Uh, or Rooster, uh, who is Bradley Bradshaw. So.
2: What is what is Maverick's rank?
1: In Top Gun or Maverick? Both. Uh I don't remember in Top Gun, but in, in Maverick he's a captain. Mm. Can make a joke about it. Pete Maverick. Captain Pete Mitchell. <laughs> um
2: <laughs> But their podcast is unlike ours for several reasons.
1: Yes. Um one of which as is we that learned, they As we learned as we learned the hard way. Yes. Well, we were not prepped um, for, let's say, what tier of language was allowed on the podcast, and Trent and I. I
2: I think if they'd listened to our show, they would have known how down in the dumps we like to get, conversationally yes.
1: speaking. Uh, and creatively speaking, um, con- conversation with creatives, you know, um, but. We made some curse words. Um, we referenced no cocaine. No more cursing. <laughs>
2: no more curse words. It's violent and dangerous. On their show, we received kind of a stern look from their like adult uh, producer woman when we entered the studio after our long 40-minute recording into the, I believe what will end up being a 25-minute episode. And so maybe they'll have uh, some space to cut out all of our curse words and drug and sexual references. And also I asked you to do a karate kick mid-episode, and you just, you you improvised, but um, I, the episode is worth visiting for those reasons alone. And there will be visual components, three camera angles, yes. I believe. So if you want to see Parth and I in the flesh, this could be a good opportunity.
1: Yes, because you have no other opportunities otherwise, unfortunately. Um
2: no. We're
1: just one. We're just
2: ones and zeros to you
1: guys. That's coming out, I believe, Halloween. Weekend, and you know what else is coming out, Halloween? Weekend? Our bodies, bodies, bodies discussion coming out next week, guys. Bum, bum, Better get excited bum, bum, for bum, that. Bum, bum,
2: bum, 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 bum. Oh, and I could, and when I hummed the first few notes of uh, Danger Zone on their show, they, they 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 scoffed at me because they can't because of trademark reasons that they worry about biz. If you think about it, Rutgers, as a company, could probably get sued. But we have nothing for... Um, who Who's the artist behind Danger Zone?
1: Kenny Loggins.
2: Yeah, I don't think the Kenny Loggins estate is going to come to us and no. ask for compensation. But,
1: but in in terms of people coming to us, I think that the listeners should come to our... Uh, social media platforms. Mm. Give them a follow. Go to follow. our uh, podcast on any uh, podcast hosting site: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, where wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I think our listeners should come there and give us a good rating and review. That would uh, be nice, wherever possible. Appreciated. And they should come check out our bodies, bodies, bodies discussion next week. A film that spoiler, both Trent and I like.
2: Yeah, no. Huge spoiler, Parth and I both like it.
1: Did I say Parth or Trent?
2: I don't know, but at this at this everyone else gets them confused, so we might as well. Yeah. Parth, do you know how the last episode ended? No. Remember the sneeze you did earlier in the episode and you told me to Did you make an edit of it? Uh well, I did a huge edit of it, like several of them in different speeds. Um, and, like, all of them stacked, and then at the end, Danger Zone fades out, and then it just, achoo!
1: Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, so that's
2: just a fun little Easter egg at the end of our nope discussion for any curious party. You can hear parts. And sneeze And speaking un- of ends,
1: mm. speaking of ends, uh, next week is the end of our 2022 spooktacular. Wow. Uh. Halloween
2: and- is ending, both literally and figuratively, if you think yes. about- recent movies that have been released
1: yes and next week we will reveal our next miniseries well and, we've um, revealed it
2: already but we'll reveal yeah we'll clarify we'll reveal We'll we're, yeah. so we're, we'll we have cruzapalooza
1: coming up but yeah. we will reveal just what, what exactly that, that entails yeah for yeah. F- for you people for the it humble means, listeners it
2: means one thing for me and parth but it means a different thing entirely for you
1: Yeah, but I think this recording has gone long enough. I think the people need to go about their day, Mm. get a life, get a job, make money, go back to the families, you know?
2: Yeah, and with that, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye, guys.